Amen, amen. I want us to take a moment this morning to pray for the nation of Israel. And I want to make a couple of comments before we do that. I do believe that God has an eschatological plan for the nation of Israel. But I do not believe everything Israel does is right. They're no longer a theocracy under the hand of God. So this is not a political statement on right and wrong. But I think it's undeniable that for that small parcel of land in the Middle East, that there's a demonic battle going on for Jerusalem where God said his name. And regardless of what you think about policies, and I am sympathetic toward the displacement of Palestinians in the West Bank, I get all that. Um, And I also want to encourage you to not make the mistake of equating all Muslims with the radical extremists. Many, many Muslims reject what's happening with Hezbollah and Hamas. And while the terrorist organizations change their names, they're not reflective of Islam. But what is happening in Israel right now is tragic. And we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So understand me, I'm not endorsing every political decision Israel makes. I do believe that God has an end time plan for Israel. I do believe that God told us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I do believe there's a demonic hatred against the nation of Israel. This was this morning from the Associated Press because I've tried to research what I've heard and read. This was AP this morning. Women, children, and older adults hiding in safe rooms gunned down mercilessly. So what's happening, women, children, and older adults who are hiding have been gunned down without mercy. Homes have been set ablaze with residents still inside of them. Children have been found bound, forced into a room, and slaughtered. And I don't know if it's true that there are 40 infants who were beheaded by Hamas. I haven't been able to find that verified, but I'm telling you what is happening to civilians and the defenseless is demonic. And we need to take a stand against that. So if you understand what I'm saying, I'm not endorsing every decision Israel makes. I don't believe that Israel is a place where every decision they make is God honoring or ordained by God. But I do believe that there is a demonic battle over that part of the world that has never ceased. And what's happening now, whoever is doing it, is demonic at its source. When you are burning people alive in their homes, gunning down defenseless civilians, it doesn't matter what the political ramifications are. That is a demonic attack. And we are grafted into the kingdom because of Israel. Jesus, our Messiah, came through the nation of Israel. And I would pray this prayer regardless of what nation it was when these kinds of atrocities are happening in our day. The church needs to stand against evil in every form. And please understand too, I am sympathetic toward um, the displacement of Palestinians right now, but under the context, I also understand why what's happening is happening. So would you stand with me and let's just pray that God will bring peace to the Middle East and that God will stop the hand of demonic attack against innocent people wherever it occurs and specifically today in the nation of Israel. 
Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning standing together as the people of God, thankful that you are the God of justice and that you're the God of mercy. Lord, I come against the slaughter of children and the elderly and the defenseless. And I pray, God, that by your strength and your mighty hand, you would bring a stop to those kinds of attacks. I pray, God, that you would reign supreme over that area and that as you told us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that your spirit would begin to work even now across the nations of the world, that Christians of all nations would stand together, that there be peace in the Middle East and that the city where you set your name would remain safe under the hand of the Almighty. We thank you for your divine intervention. I pray, God, for your power to be released and for wisdom to be um, poured out in a way that brings your will to pass in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Continue to pray for Israel. And again, I'm gonna say it again. You don't have to agree with everything or anything Israel does to be able to recognize that's what is happening now is a demonic atrocity and that needs to stop whoever is doing it. So join me as we pray. All right, and this is World Mission Sunday and I felt like it was appropriate to address that issue. So as we go into the rest of the service this morning, I do have a video that'll give you a little bit of background in to this, into the origins of the Assemblies of God. And before I do that, let me make another couple of announcements. Thank you to um, Andrea Coons and Stacy Webb for putting together this prayer book of the missionaries that we support. They're just outside the door. You're welcome to pick one up. Um, there aren't amounts there because that change and people who are in sensitive parts of the world, you won't have a name. But I'll tell you, I just got a, a, a story from a missionary that um, in, a, in a place that's a sensitive area where the nationals had the missionaries stay in a room while the law officials came in to arrest those that were engaged in the propagation of the gospel that was happening in that moment and using visa laws to do that. It was a three-hour ordeal that could have ended badly, but God intervened and brought confusion to the law enforcement and exasperated them until they left. That's normal everyday living for our missionaries in many parts of the world. And at the same time, this missionary was overseas, his wife was here, and God put a burden on her heart to pray for him. And they have confirmation of two other individuals in different parts of the US who felt a burden at that same time to pray. I'm giving you this to equip you to pray for our missionaries because the Assemblies of God was founded. Our reason for being was to take the gospel to the nations of the world. Watch this video. At the dawn of the 20th century, the Holy Spirit was tearing the nations of the world Revivals were breaking out across the globe. The Holy Spirit kept staring. The new Pentecostal movement could not keep what God was doing to themselves. They wanted to take his message to the world. The revival was spreading. 
The name Assemblies of God was chosen by 300 delegates in 1914. Soon World War I broke out. In the face of unprecedented crisis, delegates gathered again in 1914 in Chicago and under the urging of the Holy Spirit passed a resolution which committed ourselves and the movement to him for the greatest work of evangelism the world has ever seen. The Holy Spirit accelerated that work to cover the face of the planet. By 1989, these groups came together to cooperate in our common mission and formed the World Assemblies of God Fellowship. This family now represents nearly 70 million people who worship in 375,000 churches across the globe. Every 180 minutes, a new AG church is added to that number. Every 52 seconds, someone is finding Christ through one of those churches. As we thank God for what he has done, we measure ourselves against the unfinished work and know this work has only just begun. The foundation of our fellowship was, was uniquely tied to the evangelization of the world and we've been committed to that. So this morning, if you would turn to Psalm chapters 67 and 68, we're going to focus some of our attention there. You cannot help but recognize, if you read scripture, that we were called to change the world. We all have heard Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Did that happen? That was the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. Beginning in verse 9, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God. God had chosen a moment when the nations of the world would be gathered in Jerusalem to pour out his spirit and empower his church for his calling. So when we look at Psalm 67 and 68, I want you to see that foundation in the Old Testament as well. I'm not suggesting to you that 67 and 68 are related intentionally by the author, but I am suggesting that they're related thematically by their content. And in Psalm 68:20, it says that our God is a God who saves. Our God, come on somebody, our God is a God who saves. Psalm 68 identifies God in his primary purpose in this world. It's not our God is a God who wants to make your life easy. It's our God is a God who saves. And when you go back to 67, which seems to serve thematically as an intro to Psalm 68, listen to what these verses say in verses one and two. May God be gracious to us and bless 
bless us and make his face shine on us. How many of you want God to be gracious to you and bless you and make his face shine? The rest of you are content to live under judgment. How many of you want God to bless you? Hold up your hand. God is watching right now. Do you want to be blessed? Why, does, why did they pray that? So that, so that your ways may be known on earth. Not so that we can be comfortable, not so that we can be wealthy, but so that, bless us, so that we can tell the nations of the world. Be gracious to us, so that we can take your message to the ends of the earth. Let your face shine on us, so that we can be what you want us to be with your hand extended. And then in verse seven of 67, May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. My prayer is that Berean will be filled with so that Christians. God bless me so that I can touch the nations. God bless me so that I can be salt and light in my neighborhood. God bless me so that I can be your voice on the job. God bless me so that I can have influence in politics. God bless me so that we can do what you've called us to do. Is there anybody in the house this morning? I want to be a so that believer, so that. If we forget why he blesses us, we will become self-serving. We will become arrogant. We will become full of our own fleshly desires. But when we understand that if he can get it through us, he will get it to us, then we can do what he's called us to do. We need to be so that people. Now, this morning, I mentioned last week that it's easier for us to give to missionary projects than it is to missionary budgets. When we give to missionary projects, you see a building go up. You see various things happen that have a concrete or a visible um, impact that you can see, touch, or feel. But I said to you, without budgets, missionaries are not on the field and the projects don't happen. So this morning, I want you to see behind the curtain. I'm not gonna show you a project. I'm gonna show you what missions giving does in spiritual dynamics. I've asked Jeremy and Tiffany White to come. They are campus ministers at Drake University. And Drake is um, a, 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 not a public institution, it's a private one filled with all kinds of challenges. And Chi Alpha, I believe, is one of, if not the most strategic ministry in the Assemblies of God today. It is a ministry on college campuses to reach, disciple, and equip people for the marketplace to make sure that they have the tooling and equipping they need to make a difference around the world. And so I want you to see behind the curtain and when you give monthly to missions, I want you to have an idea of what actually transpires. Well, thank you for having us, Pastor Gary. Um, when we talked last week and we asked if we could share, it was because of that statement he just said, it's giving to budgets that keep missionaries on the field. And I will tell you as a missionary, I can raise $10,000 for a special project far, far easier than I can raise $200 in monthly support for our budget. And when Pastor Gary said that last week, my wife and I were sitting in the back 
And I just felt the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, you should look up how much Berean has given to you in the almost 12 years you have been missionaries. So we started doing the math for everything you guys have given to our special projects, to more significantly our budgets, and I was blown away by the number. So when I tell you it, this is a moment to celebrate and clap, okay? Over in almost 12 years, this church, the people in this church, have given to Drake Kyle, to us as missionaries, almost $150,000. Come on. That's amazing. And as I was sitting back there, I felt the Holy Spirit prompts me after that to say, you should look up the stats of what that $150,000 has done. You should look up the number of services, the number of discipleship, all the things that you've done. And that's normally not what we do as missionaries. When we go to churches, we share stories of students' lives being saved. We don't talk about the stats because stats don't go to heaven, students go to heaven. But they do tell a story. And the story is pretty incredible. The investment, the return on investment that $150,000 has done is nothing short of incredible. So over the last nine years, this is our 10th school year that we've been at Drake University, there have been over 234 services and 220 Bible studies. We've led four missions trips, had over 1,200 hours in one-on-one discipleship with students, and we have held 45 outreach events on campus. We have taken our students to 16 different retreats and conferences, and we have engaged total a number of 310 students. Some of our alumni at Drake, like Pastor Gary said, going into the marketplace, they're working on their PhD and their medical doctorate at Mayo Clinic. We have a student who's working on his medical degree at DMU. We have a student that just started Harvard Law Business or Harvard Law School. We have multiple business owners in Des Moines that are Drake alumni, and we have a student who is a surgical trauma clinical pharmacy specialist in Dallas. Title's impressive, his job's impressive. We have had students go on to be aides to senators and congressmen in Washington, D.C. We have students who are CPAs at some of the largest accounting firms here in the United States, as well as sales reps at some of the largest, regional sales reps at some of the largest insurance companies in the United States. We have researchers at the top pharmaceutical companies here in the United States, as well as uh, actuarials serving in banks and insurance companies. And those stats are just about Drake Chi Alpha. I wanna share with you just a few stats about us as missionaries, because we've been missionaries longer than we've been at Drake, that reflect the longevity that your giving has enabled us to have. We are the longest serving Chi Alpha missionaries in Iowa, not just by double the amount of any other Chi Alpha missionary in Iowa, by triple. We've served over three times as long as every other Chi Alpha missionary in this state. On Drake University, We've served not just double, but triple the length of any other campus ministry or pastor there. Why do we say that? Because there are some doors and some places and some favor that only comes from longevity and faithfulness. And we would not have that if it was not for your investment in us. And I know some of you may be looking at the numbers that we've just shown and be celebrating what God has done. And we are blown away every year at God's continued faithfulness and what he's doing in our ministry. But some of you may look at that and think, okay, it's a lot of money and a lot of time. Why isn't it more? 
And Drake University is an incredibly challenging place to have ministry happening because it is a very prestigious university. It is also a very liberal university. The liberal worldview of Drake University is at the core of their DNA and permeates every part of what they do from their campus culture to their administration to student life. And over the last nine years, if it was just that liberal worldview that we were fighting against, we should have been able to overcome it. After nine years, we should have been able to figure out the language and be able to speak in their language on campus in their cultural terms. And for the most part, we've been able to do that. If it was just the administration over nine years, we should have been able to build credibility and relationship to gain favor. And for the most part, we've been able to do that. And if it was just the student life of those students on campus and the, the pace that they're expected to take and the expectations that are on them, over nine years as pastors, we should have been able to find that balance. And for the most part, we've been able to do that. But it's not just that liberal reality that we are fighting against. There's a spiritual reality on campus that we are having to war against every single day. Drake University is a stronghold for the kingdom of darkness, and we, have, we spend every day in spiritual battle for them. And this is why this kind of giving is so important, because we believe what Amos 9.13 says, that uh, one day the, the grapes and the, the wheat will become so plentiful that the harvesters will not be able to take it in. We are believing and praying for a spiritual revival on campus that Drake University has never seen. But in order to do that, we have to be able to focus on that spiritual reality and go into war. And so your giving, your financial giving means that we don't have to worry every month whether or not there's going to be a paycheck in our bank account. Your financial giving means that we have that stability there so that fear of finances and fear of our needs being taken care of doesn't plague us. The devil doesn't get to use that against us because of faithful giving from people like you. And then we are able to engage the kingdom of darkness, to war for these students and continue to do that on a daily basis without fear of our needs being met. Pastor Gary says that it is God who directs ministry, but it is finances and money that fuel it. So thank you for fueling the ministry that is happening at Drake University as we seek to reconcile those students to Christ. That is what your mission's giving does. And I need you to know that we're, we're not the only ones giving to them because our giving would not keep them there. But we've made a determination in missions here at Berean that I want to explain to you. We are endeavoring to do more monthly for fewer missionaries so that we can have a stronger impact and team with missionaries on the mission field. And I'm gonna let you see behind the curtain in another area, we will not support every missionary that appeals simply because they have the name missionary. And there's a grid that we filter them through. If missionaries aren't engaged in one or more of these priorities, we don't support them. Number one, 
involvement in Chi Alpha, which are sending professionals throughout the United States and around the world to make a difference for the kingdom. Second, church planting. The primary place where men and women are finding Jesus and the highest level of church growth is happening is in church planting. So Chi Alpha, church planting. Third, social justice. I believe that we should make a difference in the lives of people in an ungodly world that we live in. That's why we're engaged with Agape Pregnancy Crisis Center, with um, the jail ministry, with um, Garden Gate Ranch and others that we support. When people say, well, you're just against abortion. We are, but not just, and you are ignorant if you say that because the funding that's done for unwed mothers or women in crisis, children in need, is simply carried predominantly by the church. Now, I'm gonna throw something in here I hadn't intended, but I don't know if you know this, but I-80 and I-35 is a primary corridor in the United States for sex trafficking. Ungodly things happen in our neighborhood. If you only knew half the details of what happens during the state wrestling uh, tournaments, sports events in Des Moines, the kind of social tra or sex trafficking that takes, that takes place is horrendous. And I talked to someone this week who was checking into a hotel, motel here in Des Moines. And I want you to be aware of this. If you're not aware, you need to be aware. There is a signal that a woman is supposed to give if she's in trouble. And that signal is your thumb tucked in and held down by four other fingers. If you see that, get the information that you can get and call the authorities immediately. This young lady that I talked to was walking into a hotel with a man and a woman by her side and she reached behind her back and did this so that someone would know she was in trouble. I believe we need to do more than just tell them about heaven. We need to intervene in their disasters now. Keep your eyes open. Don't walk away. Be a voice and let's take a stand. So church planting, Chi Alpha, social justice, and the fourth is unreached people groups. There's been enough gospel preached in the United States to win everybody to Jesus a, a, a million times over. But you know, there are still some places in our own country, there are some places around the world where people have never heard the name of Jesus or the saving power that God wants to bring to them. And we want to help propel that underreached or unreached people groups. So if you're not engaged in one of those four, we're not going to support you as a missionary. So then what about Berean? We exist. And I believe that God's made this really clear. I've prayed for years that God would let me go to a, a mission field and I know where I'd go and what I would do. But he has made it clear to me that my job is to try to broaden the base because if the base in the United States collapses, missions around the world will fail. And we're living in a culture where churches are closing at an epidemic rate, that pastors are leaving the field at unprecedented numbers. And we need to pray that God will strengthen the base of missions-minded evangelical churches in the United States so that we can hold up the hands that hang down. That's why we're engaged in church planting at Berean. If we're, what's good for the goose, what 
whatever that means, is good for the gander. We've started a Liberian church that is doing well. We planted the church in Waverly that this morning will have 500 people gathered to worship. We have planted Prairie Crossing that's now meeting in Mitchellville. We've teamed up with others. So what are we doing here? We're equipping people to reach unreached people groups. We're equipping people to get engaged in social justice. We're engaged in church planting. We're engaged in Chi Alpha because I believe that's what God has called us to do. And I'm going to say one more thing, and I haven't even got to my message yet. I'm going to say one more thing that I need you to hear. Please don't fall off the edge trying to predict if World War III is about to happen. It may be, but brother, sister, friend of mine, if you believe that World War III is about to happen, then call your neighbors and get them here next Sunday. Call your friends and tell them of the saving power of Jesus Christ. Whatever you believe is happening in the world around us, you can see signs of the times being fulfilled in front of our eyes. Don't waste your time trying to predict when it's going to happen, but do what Jesus said. I must do the works of him who called me while it is day, for the night is coming when no man shall work. If anything, this attack on Israel ought to fuel your passion for evangelism and missions, and let's do what we can do for the kingdom of God while there is still opportunity to do something for the kingdom of God. And that requires money. Someone said, you need to pray, give, or go. That is so bogus. You need to pray, give, and go. Because there's someone right next to you in your neighborhood, in your sphere of influence that needs to hear the gospel. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to give and to give significantly, sacrificially, because I do believe that Jesus is coming soon. And the Bible tells us, I don't know why I have notes this morning. The Bible tells us that when the gospel has been preached in every nation, every people group, every ethne, then shall the end come. If you ever say, I'm looking for Jesus to come and you're not given to missions, you're not looking for Jesus to come. If you say, I'm looking for Jesus to come and you're not tithing, you don't believe in the impact of the local church to lift up the hands of those that hang down. What do we need? We need people who believe if he can get it through me, he'll get it to me. And I'm gonna build the local church so that we can lift up hands that hang down. And I wanna be part of the greatest effort of evangelism the world has ever seen in the assemblies of God. And I'd like that to happen right here in central Iowa in Des Moines, that the greatest missions effort that's ever been seen will happen emanating out of Pleasant Hill and touching the nations of the world. So Psalm 68 is a psalm about victory, about triumph. I don't know all that is happening in 68. It's debated whether it's about the ark returning to uh, the temple in Jerusalem or a military battle. But in this context, there are three things that we're called to do that have to do with being a so that Christian. If you want to be a so that the nations will hear, what do you need to be? Number one, you need to sing his praise. Listen to Psalm 68, verse four. Sing to God, sing praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and rejoice before him. So that 
people so that that category of people are worshipers we worship the god who saves come on anybody believe that i said we worship the god who saves and the songs of salvation demand to be sung in the old testament there were times of battle where the worshipers led the way and we have always sung about what we should sing in my heart there rings a melody sing to the lord a new song we sing all kinds sing a little louder sing a little louder why because this world needs to hear the song of the redeemed they've heard the songs of hell they've heard the songs of depression they've heard the songs of lust and brokenness and disaster somebody i said somebody ought to start singing a new song the song of the redeemed the song of rejoicing the song of the god who saves and wouldn't it be wonderful if everywhere you go every place you stop you could pause for a moment and you'd hear the song of the redeemed i know this isn't a big deal to you and i'm not trying to promote a truck stop but when i drive to trinity i don't go the short way i go the long way which is not a lot longer but i go north on i-35 and there's a truck stop there that's called trailways i believe is what it's called and i love to be because people are coming from all over the place you're at you're at you're at i-35 and i-90 right there at that junction and if you pause you're going to hear christian songs being sung over the speakers through the entire i don't know who owns that place but that's a so that person that's a person who wants the world to know and has an opportunity to hear the songs of the redeemed. Come on, church, let's not be whiners. Let's not be complainers. Let's not join in the darkness of the world, but let's sing a new song, a song of joy, a song of the God who saves. Sing to God, Psalm 68, 32. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord. Selah, to him who rides the ancient skies, who thunders with a mighty voice. Second, while you're singing his song, make sure you begin to proclaim his power. <laughs> Woo, preach, I'm trying. So that, people, so that, how many understand when I say that what I mean? So that people believe that God is a God who can save we do not doubt the power of God to set people free. We do not doubt his majesty or his power. We believe that he is exceedingly abundant above all that we can ask or think. Verse 19, praise be to the Lord, to our God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. I'm telling you, I believe that there is nothing impossible for God. I got into a discussion again recently about creation, and you can talk about um, God using the, um, uh, uh, um, evolutionary, a uh, theistic evolution. You can talk about a, a short uh, creation, a seven-day creation, a young, you can talk about all of that, but here's a, here's a discussion I like to have. Whenever creation evolution comes up and people begin to debate whether this world was created in six literal days or in billions of years. So rather than engaging in that conversation, I just want to know, 
if your God is big enough that he could have done it in six days. Forget about whether he did or not. I don't have that argument. But is your God big enough? Mine is. He speaks worlds into existence. When he declares it, it has come to pass. He sent his word and it healed them. And I don't worry whoever I deal with or whatever bondage they're under. I am telling you that the anointing of the Holy Spirit destroys the yoke of bondage. I'm telling you that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that everything that is named or can be named is under his feet because we serve a God that is not a we serve a God that does not suffer lack. We serve a God that has never failed. We serve a God of triumph and victory. And we're equipped to storm the gates of hell in the name of Jesus and see those walls come down. This world needs to hear about his power, death, disease, brokenness, tragedy. The world is filled with bad news, but I still believe that the gospel is good news. Psalm 68, 28, summon your power, O God. <clears throat> Show us your strength, O God, as you have done before. I believe in a God who liberates, who delivers, who heals, who sets the captive free. I've shared this story before. It came up again recently, and I want to tell it again just because it's fun. But you talk about the battle on the secular campus. I was state Chi Alpha director for a short period of time and I led Chi Alpha at Iowa State University. Long story about all of that and I was invited to sit in in two college classes. The first one I was told straight up to not say a word. The second one I was told I'd be able to address the class. So I went into the first one which was comparative religions and they were comparing Christianity, Judaism and Islam and the model for Christianity was reformed theology, which isn't a fair comparison. There are all kinds of expressions of Christianity. And he'd set up these straw men and knocking them down and then asked me a couple of questions. And um, I had an evangelist with me and, and we're talking back and forth. And finally he said, are you gonna answer? I said, professor, you told me I wasn't permitted to speak. Are you giving me permission to speak? And he said, yes. He said, how could you believe that a person could pray a prayer and their life change? And I said, let's find out. Amen. Give me someone in here that's not a believer. Let's put them on the chair in the front of the room and in front of the class, I'm gonna share Jesus with them. And then we're gonna pray and see what God will do. And then I thought, I'm an idiot. <laughs> now, he didn't let that happen. He swore at me and shut the class down. And when I went to the next class where I was supposed to be able to speak, they wouldn't let me speak, wouldn't even introduce me in that class because the gates of hell tremble at the word of God. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm telling you, we don't have to be afraid of anything. The power of God is real, tears down strongholds, and the world needs to know. I don't care what bondage you're under. I don't care what pit you've fallen into. I know a God who will come down alongside you in the pit and will lift you up out of the muck and mire. I know a God who can break the bondages of addiction and set you free. I know a God that can heal the mental illness, and I'm for it 
mental health help. That's not a negative, but I know a God that can come alongside you and heal the pains and suffering and triggers that are in your life. I'm telling you, our God is powerful. Sing his songs and proclaim his power. Psalm 68 also tells us that we need to publish his promises. This is good stuff. I read this and it made me weep. In Psalm 68, oh, let me read the verse 68. I didn't even read it. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him as smoke is blown away by the wind and may you blow them away as wax melts under the fire. May the wicked perish before God, Psalm 68, one and two. And then read seven to 11, it takes it further. Verses five and six, publishes promises. Do you know who he is? <laughs> Psalm 68, the Old Testament that many people see full of judgment and an angry God. Really? Read it again. Because here's who he says he is. He is a father to the fatherless. Whoo! I said, he is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. God in his holy dwelling sets the lonely in families. He leads forth prisoners with singing while the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land so that people are caught up and convinced of the promises of God. He will touch those who are broken. He will put them in a place of health and vibrancy. Why do we do connect groups? It's so some of these dynamics can happen, that God can put you in a place where your brokenness and emptiness is replaced by his love and compassion and care and put people around you that will love you and invest in you and care for you because the heart of God is moved by the brokenness of humanity. They need to hear his promises. He made some. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him would not perish but would have everlasting life. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Paul tells us, as he quotes from the Old Testament, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm telling you the promises of God are real and the world needs to hear them. How will they know? How will they know if we don't tell them that he has a book full of promises that can sustain them? That's what a missions church is about, taking the song of God, the power of God, and the promises of God to a lost, dying, and broken world and letting them hear the good news. So my question to you is, will you be a so that Christian? Will you be a so that Christian? Psalm 68, verse 31, at the close of the chapter, prophesies. Envoys will come from Egypt, Cush will submit herself to God. It's not just a song of praise for Israel. 
It's a call to the ungodly nations of the world. A day that the psalmist prophesies that out of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, there will be a great company from all the ethne, all the people groups gathered around the throne, singing his praise. Why? Because so that Christians understood that God's blessing was so that the message could be taken to the ends of the earth. So that, Christians, but listen to me carefully. So that, Christians, put their money, not where their mouth is, they put their money where their faith is. They put it where their faith is. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not doing, and I'm not saying I'm doing enough. And I do believe in counting the cost but how much is a soul worth? How many more hands can we lift up? How many more Drake students need to be released and sent into the kingdom? How many more missionaries need to be sent around the world into the uncomfortable places, into the dangerous places, knowing that people are praying for them and supporting them and holding them up. And while it does all of that in the US and in the world overseas, around the world, it puts food on their table. It puts tools in their hands. It enables them to learn the language so that they can raise up workers for the harvest field. I'd like you to take one of these faith promise cards they are in the pockets in front of you or behind you or somewhere around if you grab one of those. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Even if you're already giving monthly to missions, this isn't necessarily a new pledge. If you're gonna keep doing what you're doing, just mark on there, weekly or monthly, what are you going to give to missions to reach the nations of the world? How much will you invest? We need to raise 17,000 a month. That's 170 and 70 is 34. That's over $200,000 a year that we're giving just to monthly support of missionaries, not counting not counting the projects that just a month or two ago, there was some money that had built up in our account and and missionaries know if we have it, we'll send it out. And Tim, you were there to Philly. What did we commit? 15,000 that we committed to help them? To say to them, they're in, they're on a street that's one of the most hellish areas of our nation in Philadelphia. And I don't know that I'd have the courage to live there. Here's how committed they are. They can't buy a place to live. So they're trying to buy a camper that they can live in on the ground so they can refurbish this church. So there can be a light in one of the darkest places in the nation. And we said, we'll come alongside and put 15,000 toward that project. We do that all through the year. Why? Because we have so that people. We have so that people at Berean. What would God have you do? Fill that out, drop it in the box at the back, or you can text Faith Promise Card, FP Card, that's what that means, FP Card to 77411. If you simply text FP Card to 77411, you will have an opportunity there to digitally express what you're going to give the missions and how you're going to be a part of 
reaching the world for the cause of the king. Years ago, we sang a song, signs of the times are everywhere. (laughs) I'm telling you, we're decades closer to his return than we were Pastor Tim and Sharon when we started. Pastor Larry and Dixie, we're decades closer. Let's reach this world for the king. I'm ready to preach now. You ready to open your Bible? Let's stand together and let's worship the king. In this time of desperation When all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe In this broken dark you help us see there is only one salvation we believe we believe we'll sing it up we believe in God the Father we believe in Jesus Christ we believe in the Holy Spirit and he's given us new life we believe in the crucifixion we believe that he conquered death we believe in the resurrection and he's coming back again
I don't know if you can jump in the middle like this because I'm not a, a worship leader, but I want us to sing it again. Let the lost be found. Let the dead be raised. That's what this morning is about. And I want you to sing it with passion. Let the lost be found. Let the dead be raised in the here and now. Let that be your passion cry this morning and sing it from your heart. As I continue to close, let me just remind you, giving to missions and not tithing is like just showing up for dessert. Somebody's gotta set the table and somebody's gotta feed the meal. And if we're gonna reach missions before you give to missions, you need to be giving to what God's doing in the, in the storehouse. I believe that. And then on top of that, equip us to be so that Christians who understand that the blessing of God comes so that we can reach the nations of the world. Amen. If you love him, let me hear your hands this morning. What a great God we serve. Amen. God bless you. Shake someone's hand and ask them if they're a so that.